Hello and welcome. Is that me? Do you want to do it? Do you want to do the intro? Oh. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello, greetings, everyone. Welcome to this, the very last episode of Keeping Up with the Coens, your favorite OC podcast based in Oklahoma. That's right. This isn't Ryan Drake. Um, I killed Ryan. This is actually Dylan Irwin, your favorite of the male co-hosts. And I am here. I'm just kidding. Ryan's alive. I don't have the stomach to kill. I am here with uh, my two best friends, my two best podcast friends. And I want to start with someone who knows how to make sacrifices for her art. Chelsea could be anywhere in the world right now. She's recovering from surgery, and she has chosen to be here with the two of us. She doesn't know if, 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 if her, in her recovery, laughter is, is difficult for her, if it hurts her. But she is <laughs> taking that risk, and she's on the show. Chelsea, how are you doing? I am. Okay, and here's the thing. Um, my husband's just, like, not a super funny guy. So even though I've been with him all day long, every day Cannon. for the last three days straight, I just haven't done a lot of laughing. So I guess we're going to find out something new about me today. And then, you know, maybe if I don't introduce him, he won't say a word, I believe is one, what he said about me one time when he was introducing me, but I'm better than that. So I'm going to (laughs) say, hi, best friend, Ryan, how are you doing? Hello, Dylan. It's good to be here. Wow. You did a great job with the intro. I feel like this could be, you may have just taken my job. (laughs) No, please take it back. I'm so stressed. You know what? Chelsea's doing claps. You're doing intros. Just slowly phase me out. I'm fine with it, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> season four is just going to be Chelsea and I talking at each it's other. It's you and Chelsea oh, I, and both of your kids. Worst, it would be the worst podcast ever. Like. <laughs> it, would just, it would just be trauma in comics. Yeah, I know, for real. We'd be like, oh my God, and then remember in high school when no one took us to prom. Man, I could I be, it. I could truly be the Marissa Cooper of the show and just leave after season three and then let you guys try and... You, you guys trying to have it? And Chelsea's you would like, hate Chelsea's... that, though, because season four is the best one. Yeah. No, I love it. And then Chelsea's, like, texting me, like, are you sure you don't want to come back? <laughs> you can come back wow. as a ghost. Yeah, great job, Dylan. That was that was a very good intro. Well, thanks. You can have your job back. I don't want it anymore. You just want to prove you could do it? I just want, yeah, I just wanted to sh- say that to, I could do to, it. It's kind of like, like, yeah, you, you choose not to do it. It's not that you can't do it. It's like when I did boxing. I just wanted to prove that I could do it. And now, You're not doing boxing anymore? I mean... I spend so much time at the CrossFit gym, you know? I just oh don't God. have as much time as I used to. I shouldn't have said a word. <laughs> um, do a handstand, though. But yeah, no, Dylan Dylan did everything right. He is correct. We're here to cover two more episodes of The O.C. Season 3. God, am I? are we getting comfortable, or is this season going and going and going? No, it's this season is ridiculously long. Like, uh, as Dylan previously mentioned, I'm currently recovering from a surgery, and they were like, oh, well, let's just postpone. And I was like, no, we got to power through. We are so excited. This is the last Johnny episode we have to do. This is great. This is the kidney stone season. We just got to pass it. We just got to get through. <laughs> and then we can all pee normally. But like, I, I don't know. It just feels like we have so much more to go. Like we hit a giant, we hit a big moment today in these episodes. But God, mm-hmm. I'm just like, not that I don't enjoy doing this. I love doing this. But I'm just like, fuck, we have a ways to go. This season is yeah. dragging well, the thing is, though, I think after this is going to pick up a little bit. We are just frustrated because literally the last four episodes we've had has been the exact same goddamn storyline. <laughs> yes. Like, does Marissa like Johnny? Does she not? Are they going to do anything about it? Is Johnny no. going to moat more? How's Ryan going to save him even though he thinks he's annoying? Like, I'm over it. We we said we're going to say goodbye to 
someone that we hate. So it's actually a good time. <laughs> I wrote my episode recap with glee. I want you to know that. Perfect. All right. Uh, yeah. Should we get into it? Do we have anything else we want to cover? Do we have anything else to say? We're good. Let's do it. We're getting into it. Let's get into it. Episode number 13 of season three. It's called The Pot Stirrer. The Pot Stirrer features Danny Cohen on screen for nine minutes and 19 seconds. Dylan, stir the pot. Well, the pot was originally stirred on January 26, 2006, and it's been a stirring ever since. 5.70 million people. I know it's the same as 5.7, but I say 5.70 million people watched this. That seems low. John Stevens wrote it. Our ratings are dropping badly, right? Our ratings are dropping, but for both of these episodes, the exact same number of people watched it. So that's kind of comforting, at least. Season one, we were in like the 12 millions, right? Yes. And now Mm -hmm. we're in the 5 millions? Yeah, it's dropping. Well, we're here to do do the hard work and recap these episodes that only 5 million people watched. Uh, By the way, 5 million million people, by the way, in 2021 would be the highest rated thing that's ever happened in like four years. Yeah, people were bigger back then. At what point do we think that the show jumped the shark? Because I feel like at the time, of course, times are very different. I didn't feel like this. I was very excited about Olivia Wilde. But I do feel like people were like, really? That they're going to go there? Not in like a homophobic way, but just in a that seems to be like, I guess, like lowest common denominator type. I, like, when did you guys think the show kind of I got didn't a little think too that it fantastical? Did until I think this episode, the one we're covering today, like what? What do you mean when you say jump the shark? I mean, I know what jump the shark means. It just means it kind of lost the thread and it's no longer interesting, right? Or yeah. just uh, when they do something too fantastical. Yeah. When Fonzie jumped the, end of, the shark I on I didn't skis. think that season one had anything. I didn't think that season two, I thought shooting Trey was fine. I think season um, season three, episode one is when they really kind of jumped it a little bit. Just specifically because whenever you come back for season three and you find out that Trey didn't actually die, it kind of robs season two, season two finale of its oomph. It's kind of like when you find out Palpatine is still alive, it kind of robs Return of the Jedi of its of its power. And so I feel like that's kind of when they started truly, truly recycling storylines. I don't know. I didn't feel that way, I think, until this episode. With the scene where Ryan's looking down off the cliff is when I was like, this. I almost closed my laptop. I was like, this is too much. I can't handle this. Well, <laughs> he, like, falls in slow motion. Like, yeah. we were all expecting, like, where are we? <laughs> Never I came. wanted to see blood. I wanted to know he was dead. Because cut to after Marissa, Trey... Marissa and Caitlin, there's just blood splatter on them. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. I have trust issues with death after Trey. Okay, let me, let's quickly, I want to, I just had this moment of thinking about things that seemed big that didn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. Like Luke got shot, Mm -hmm. Trey got shot, Kirsten got into a car wreck. Mm -hmm. So we had these like, uh, Caleb did die. He had a heart heart attack. He did die. Yeah. Um, Did anyone else major die? I don't want to hear about Rebecca or her dad. That's not major. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, So to kill off Johnny and Marissa within... 15 episodes of each other just seems like they've they're out of things to do they're, right they're getting mm-hmm. desperate they're like we didn't kill trey so we got to make up for it because people were unhappy that we didn't kill someone well it's like we can complain that like and i i mean i complained they didn't kill trey they didn't kill you know not that i wanted them to kill kirsten or luke but why but don't don't set those up if there's not going to be you know what i mean like don't set those yeah. up and then just be like nothing just to get like a ratings pop or to get people talking for a week and then disappoint them that there was no real consequence of that I guess. so i actually have a miniature comic uh, comic book minute for this um there's a really good video on youtube that uh, max landis did john landis's son 
Um, he's the kid who wrote Chronicle. He's a really good writer. Wait, isn't Max Landis about- like the douchebag? Yes. Okay. This was this was before he dyed his hair and became extra douchey, but he has this whole YouTube video about how in comic books the whole death of Superman story arc really ruined superhero deaths in comics because you know if a character dies in one comic, they're gonna just come back in some form in another one. And so in all actuality, almost every major comic book hero has died and come back. I feel like that's what the OC has kind of conditioned us to believe. Um, in, you know, specifically in this season, because, you know, like you said, with the exception of like Caleb, people are getting in tragic accidents and dying and maybe dying and then coming back to life. And I feel like that could be why Marissa's death and Johnny's death were kind of done the way that they were, because I don't know, it just seems like there's a correlation there. And it seems like they kind of realized the error of their ways with all these close calls and just decided, you know what, when people die, they're actually going to die on this show now. Mm-hmm. I just realized in my head, I think I confused Max Landis with Tucker Max. Yeah, Tucker Max is the I hope they serve beer in hell guy, and okay. Max Landis is I was great. Yeah. I have some hot takes on Tucker that we might have to save for a bonus, but... <laughs> no, I, I'm saying okay. no to a Tucker Max bonus episode. <laughs> I love his last book. He is a changed man by... I hope they serve beer in hell and whatever the last book was called. I don't even remember. I hope they serve beer in heaven. Chelsea's on pain. Chelsea's on pain meds. She doesn't know what she's saying. All right, let's get into these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will open the Potster episode 13. We open in the Cohen's kitchen. I didn't take as many notes for this. I just kind of was like, I think I take too many notes. So mm-hmm. I think I do too much. So uh, I reeled him back a little bit. We're in the kitchen. A couple things happening that we're going to explore in this episode. Sandy has to build a hospital. Um, he doesn't have to. He wants to um, for the Newport group. So he has a meeting to pitch his hospital plans to, I think, the hospital board. Seth has an interview with the with the brown guy. The return of the brown guy the is brown my first guy's note. Back. Yeah. Um, someone from Brown is at Harvard doing interviews with prospective students. Um, Seth has an interview, but he's starting to freak out a little bit. A real kind of uh, turn. I don't know what turn. But a real kind of about face for Seth, who all he wants to do is leave California, leave Newport, leave mm-hmm. Orange County. And now suddenly he's like, wait, do I want that? Do I want change? I don't know. Well, that sets us up for the episode. I have it broken down into Seth Summer, Ryan, Marissa, Johnny, Caitlin, and the adults. I want to start with Seth Summer. I feel like they're the most interesting part of the story. Sweet. We'll prolong the Johnny the Johnny stuff, so we don't have to deal with it right now. <laughs> we'll deal with it 20 minutes from now. Yes. Um, so Seth and Summer are both interviewing for Brown, interviewing at Brown. Um, Summer is really stoked. She's feeling very p- positive about the, the situation. Like I said, Seth has anxiety about leaving Newport. We learned that Summer <laughs> talked to, was it her boot camp instructor, Colonel Flynn? Yes. Who, oh she's now God, in boot camp. Oh my God, that was so cute. She goes, Do you want to see, my, see war face? my war face? Grr, it was adorable. It was, it was cute. It was in that cute. moment, I was like, what? Like, I, I could see like being a teenage girl and being like, yeah, I could have one of these girlfriend things. Whereas whenever you watch Marissa, you're probably like, oh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. She's so <laughs> lanky. A lanker. Uh, She's yeah, such no, a Laker. Sidebar, I did watch that episode last night where Haley first, the countdown, the New Year's Eve uh-huh. episode, and they it said Laker in the closed caption, which I feel like we did that previously, but it was confirmed. It's a Laker. I still say Laker. I don't care. Um, <laughs> that's also, I think I, st- I sent you guys the, the screenshot. It says that Luke says shit in, the, in that episode where he's, where he's eating Moroccan <laughs> yes. food with Oliver. Oliver's like, oh, I've been to the Alps, and Luke's like, shit, all I've ever done is this other thing. I don't think he says it, but the close captain Whistler. says that he says it. Yeah, close well, as ever going to Whistler. he says that he's holding a turkey leg. It's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just miss <laughs> Luke, miss man. Him. Watching season through season one again, it's just like, man, this show used to be wonderful. He would have killed Johnny. 
He would have just killed him. Yeah, no, he would have been the fan. He would have been the fan favorite that just was like, no, Johnny needs to die and killed him eight episodes ago. <laughs> All right. So uh, Seth and Sandy have a chat in Seth's room. Seth starts to kind of tell him a little bit like how he's having some anxieties and things like that. Sandy's giving him a good pep talk, but it's cut short because Sandy has a phone call he has to take about the hospital that he has to build. So Seth decides he's going to go on a walk. And when he's on his walk, he runs in to Caitlin Cooper, who's still hanging around. She's a part of the show for the rest of the series now. She's still hanging around. She's at the pier alone and she's smoking weed because her mom forgot her birthday. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, But she's smoking weed. Let's take a moment to think about this was 2005, right? Six. This was early five aired in six. So this was 2006. Wow. The the thing with weed, like I was of the age where I was like going into college and like weed. It's crazy to think back now because we have dispensaries on every corner and every like our Mm parents, like my parents smoke weed and eat edibles every day. But like at the time, weed was kind of a thing, right? Like people would like go to parties and smoke weed like it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you'd like be sneaky and like go out on your patio after your parents went to bed and stuff like that. Well, yeah. Was that just me? Sorry, mom and dad. What year did Oregon legalize marijuana? Wasn't it like 2009 or 2010 or something like that? It was a long time from this, but the cultures just changed so much. It's hard to find this really, you know. Right. Well, because when I first watched this scene, I was like, why is Seth being so weird about weed? And I was like, I forgot everyone was weird about weed back mm-hmm. then. Like it was kind mm-hmm. of a thing that you were, it was a little taboo. I was going to ask you because he, whenever he smokes, he like puts the towel on the door and he sits under the, the window and he like febrezes the room. Chelsea, what'd you say your move was? Oh, gosh. I went up, I, okay, I went out onto my patio. I had a really awesome balcony right off of my bedroom um, that wasn't connected to the alarm system. So if I was really devious, I probably could have snuck out, which I never did. I would just go out there and smoke uh, weed sometimes. And then I pulled the move in college where you like, breathe it through a uh, toilet paper roll with a dryer sheet at that's the end. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's what, We did that so much. <laughs> the dryer sheet toilet so paper silly. roll blow directly into the, the vent. Yeah. Dylan, what did you do? Or are you not allowed to talk about it since you're, uh, you have a real job, unlike <laughs> I, me and Ryan? I didn't smoke weed in college. I believe that completely. I 100% that makes sense for you. <laughs> you guys, the, the big twist at the end of this podcast is that I'm actually the lame. Well, no, it's not, not a secret that I'm the lamest person, but like I'm more lame than you all think I am. Which is saying a lot. This is all just a long con for me to ask you about your walk with God. <laughs> I'm a little surprised that you didn't smoke. Yeah, no, Dylan no. absolutely has the has like the Christian guitar guy. Yeah. So no, I get it. Hey, you guys want to go guess, to Cafe Plaid? I guess Plaid? when I met you, you were wearing like man capris and had a That's guitar. That's exactly what so I was going to say. That. Like the, the vibe yeah. that I get from you is like longer hair, rolled up jeans, white t-shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're wearing like Toms or something. Oh, I, yeah. I wore Toms, rolled up, uh, rolled up jorts, and um, and a white T-shirt. I actually am going to take off my yeah. overshirt so I can wear my white T-shirt so I can well. see if I can convert uh, convert our dear friend Ryan. <laughs> Uh, so Seth is like uh, asking her a lot of questions about weed and how he's never done it before and he's saving it for college. Blah blah blah. He knows what it is. He knows what it does. But he declines her offer to give him weed in the moment. Next time we see them, they are prepping for their interview. It's Summer and Seth in the pool house with Ryan. I think he's doing like Q&As for this big interview, which I don't think is a great idea. Like, I feel like you would get to the problem. The problem that Seth's having here is that he's trying to memorize like answers that he thinks people wants to hear. And Summer's doing yeah. the right thing, but just being herself. I, I would I would be more anxious if I were Seth because I would be like, I have to remember the thing that I said I was going to say here. Well, That's, and like yeah. Summer says that she she's like, I just want to be myself because if I'm myself, then I'll get placed where I should be placed, which makes a lot of sense. That is a perfect approach. I feel yeah. like even in like rush for sororities, like you got to just 
put out your authentic vibe. So one of the questions yeah. that Ryan asks is like, who are your biggest like inspirations or something? And Summer says Prada, which is a great answer. She has good reasons for it about how Prada designed clothes that made you think rethink the way that clothes work but seth was just talking down to her and seth mm. was being a bitch and was being like no you probably shouldn't say that you should probably say something like say, blah blah blah, or say blah, einstein. blah blah yeah he should mm. say einstein oh he's such an asshole so summer leaves not because he's an asshole because she has better things to do um but ryan asked seth one more question about where you think you're going to be in 10 years and seth just spirals he really spirals about how he wants to keep the happiness that he mm-hmm. has now which drove me crazy because we've talked at length about how good seth has it and how much he refuses to accept it right he has yeah, the girl of his dreams. He has his best then... friend. He has the girl of his dreams. And yet, he, yeah. he, like, the soon as Ryan has to leave, he's like, well, I have to leave, too. It's like, you don't. Yeah, if I you really go wanted, If you really wanted <laughs> your happiness that you have now that bad, you wouldn't have done that, right? Like, this just doesn't vibe yeah. with what we've yeah. seen from him. Um, I appreciated anyway, the filibuster, though. Mm-hmm. He really does. He's a big Dylan energy there. Next mm-hmm. time we see Seth, he's stopping by the the trailer where uh, Caitlin was being dropped off by Johnny. We'll get to that in a little bit. But he shows up and he buys, according to the baggie that we see, he buys exactly three joints from Caitlin. What a great drug dealer. We'll just pre-roll your joints and sell them to you. Like, that's wait, good for her. Next time we see him again, he's in his room. Sandy's once again giving him a little pep talk. And he tells him that he needs to do something to relax, which I think triggers Seth into saying, you know what? You're right. I should do that. But like I said, he towels off the door. Uh, he sits under the window and he starts smoking up for the first time. Good good, good for him. Right before his interview. Right before the interview. Uh, Ryan knocks on the door. We assume some time has passed. Seth is now stoned. Uh, Ryan knocks on the door. Seth's high. <laughs> I love this scene. I, this is a scene that has stood out to me for the entirety of the show for most of my life since I've seen it. It's just really funny. Adam Brody kills it here. Like he does a great job of being. Yeah. It's it reminds me of whenever he was drunk, um, trying to impress Alex. So he got drunk and was like trying to be stealth, getting back in the house. Oh yeah. Um, it's the same kind of energy here. There were some great lines. I was gonna try and write them all down. I was like, this whole scene is great. It's just worth a rewatch. Um, but the best part was when when Ryan Ryan is the best part. Ryan is the MVP of this scene because he's playing. Yes a straight man but not like an authoritative guy like he doesn't care if Seth's high he's just concerned um Mm -hmm. but he does say something like something smells and and Seth immediately he's like no it doesn't (laughs) I was like that's that's so funny uh and then then the other thing was Ryan finds the weed Seth is just like I don't know how that got there and I was like all right that's pretty good (laughs) plausible deniability yeah so uh we got to get Seth sobered up for his big interview with the brown guy um I've really leaned into just saying the brown the brown guy yeah we've got to get Seth uh sobered up before the big interview so Ryan calls Summer and tells her that she needs to stretch, which I'm like, this is an insane thing to ask her to do. Summer goes out of her interview. She says that she stretched and the interview went for 90 minutes. That's a full length feature film that she had this interview. Yeah, that's, man. That's insane. Someone that's like Brown. an episode of this podcast. It really is. She must be a delight. But she does say, and I think it's jokingly, she says, no, as he's going into his interview, don't, no pressure, but if you mess it up, our future is ruined. She walks away that's with Ryan. That's why he's so nervous. She walks away with Ryan, and Seth walks up to the door. He approaches the door, and then turns around and runs away, because Seth Cohen is a coward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. he bails on the interview. He lies to Summer. He tells her that the interview went great. Um, Summer's so excited about this, too. What Really. God. Especially knowing how excited Summer is. Like, her enthusiasm is so cute. Like, I even put a little heart next mm-hmm. to it on the notes. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. But he lied to her. He didn't tell her. He bailed on the interview and he lied to Summer about it. And the last thing that we see from him is he is once again in his room smoking up all by himself. So Seth's a stoner now, guys. It's crazy how he just takes one. He takes one marijuana and his life falls apart. And that, mm-hmm. that, that's dare to be drug free. Don't I ever know. It's do like a, a reefer madness commercial ready to go. Don't ever do a marijuana. 
Okay, kids. Let's get to Ryan, Marissa, Johnny, and Caitlin, shall we? Let's Yay. Just, let's just grit yes. our teeth and power through it. We can do it. Well, big news, guys. It's Caitlin's 15th birthday. My super sweet 15. God, loved, God I missed that show. That show's a great show. Do you think they just too. randomly picked 15 because it was still like appallingly young, but not like disgusting young i think the timeline of the show would make her 14 and they wanted to hurry up and make her not 14 anymore because that's even weirder so they're like let's just make this her birthday so everyone knows she's 15 now Mm -hmm. because if she was 16 then it would be more acceptable for her to date johnny but she was definitely 11 in season one they talked about it Mm -hmm. but but, like they've clearly manipulated does that mean does that mean marissa was 14 in season one I think so, right? No, she said in the earlier, because her mom's trying to talk her into going out with Luke, and she's like, Mom, I'm 16. Only, but she says it British, and she goes, I'm 16. <laughs> well, that would make her 18 now. She's an 18-year-old junior in high school? Wow. Oh, this is their, no, this is their senior year. This is their senior no, year. No, this is their senior year. No, you're right, so you're right. That, you're makes right. that makes sense. That makes sense. Sorry, yeah, I know. You're right. So they aged Caitlyn. It's, it's say, an like, old uh, soap opera trick. Do we have a 40th birthday for Kirsten in this season coming up sometime soon? I yeah, think I think later so. in the season, yeah. Which again is so confusing because they had a 20 year anniversary last season. So she yeah. got married when she was like... 19? She got married when she was 19 or 20, but we know that she had a long history before that with people like Jimmy and she had an abortion at some point. So that's just a lot of life to be living for her. But, you know, I, it seems plausible, Man. I guess. Also, never forget that Melinda Clark was like 33 when she filmed these episodes. I know. Like, she's yeah. our age. Our age. She looks great. She looks great. But doesn't Dr. Roberts seem... I mean, I know she literally dated Caleb and married Caleb, so she likes rich older men. But, like, her and Dr. Roberts seem to have a real connection, and he seems much, much older than her, right? In a good way, yeah. They On the show, I think that they make sense. They match up. She carries herself with a lot of maturity. I could you but could you imagine me dating Dr. Roberts? I would be like, whoa, you. So I was thinking, like, you're the same age as what Melinda Clark was. At least I don't know how old Julie's supposed to be, but uh, yeah. Well, let's get in to Marissa Johnny. <laughs> you're like moving on. <laughs> well, no, I was just I've been trying to I've been trying to dillabuster my way without having to talk about this, but I, feel I like love we just, this we so much. To. I'm just, just sitting and watching. We really did switch roles. No, yeah, no, I feel like we have to talk about it. So it's Caitlin's 15th birthday. Uh, Marissa is feeling nostalgic for like the old Caitlin. Because they had like they had traditions that they would do for her birthday, and now she's turned into some new Caitlyn that robs people for abortion money and sells drugs to <laughs> Seth on the pier. Uh, Caitlyn and Johnny are spending a lot of time together now, which is so weird for reasons we don't need to get into. Uh, Marissa mm-hmm. doesn't know about it. Caitlyn had a weird line here where she says that they went swimming, and Johnny makes sure to mention that he only got her a towel. But she's like, you know, most guys would have taken advantage of me. So the bar is low, guys. The bar is so low. Jeez. Julie forgets Caitlyn's birthday. I love this so much. It's a very Julie thing to do. She's very caught up in her own bullshit. She forgets Caitlyn's birthday. Caitlyn's upset. Um, they were going to watch The Sound of Music. But instead, Julie tells her that she has a date with Dr. Roberts coming up this Sunday, which just so happened to be Caitlyn's birthday. So I had a question about this. Yeah. Is this the scene where they're showing all of the old pictures? I think that was the first. That was the scene where Marissa was pulling through and was feeling nostalgic for old Caitlyn, basically. Because they, again, bring up China. And I think, I can't remember if I texted this to you all or not. I know I put it in my notes. But, like, I want to see a hairless horse so bad. And I hadn't Googled it. And so... Ooh, now I, Googled I want to Google it. it. Uh, I Googled it, and it's weird looking. I'll say that much. Is it weirder than a but, hairless cat? Uh, no, the weirdest thing is the hairless bear. Is that what you just said? No. I yeah, look up hair, hairless, hairless bear. bears are also First nightmare all, hairless fuel. Hairless bear as, is what sounds, it sounds like this is going to get me some, to weird, some weird websites. <laughs> no, no. My it, friend has a sphinx cat, and it's really scary looking. I want one. I want to name it Smeagol. 
But so, so they much show work. they're so ugly and there's so much work. How? You have to bathe them like twice a day to keep their skin from getting oily. Okay. Yeah. I'll do it. I don't care. But anyway, they show a picture of China. I'm going to have a child, but I'm going to bathe this cat twice a day to make sure. Yeah. Well, go I'm going to practice with the child. And then if I can do that, <laughs> then I'll get the cat. Um, but they okay. show a picture of China and China does not have, I mean, China has hair. China doesn't have alopecia in the picture. Well, those pictures were old. Maybe the yeah, picture was taken like before it, China's it, hair fell if you out. Have alo- and if you have alopecia, it's like patchy. It's not like you're suddenly bald one day. Oh, I thought it was a bald horse. It go, it's it's bald. It, it's like uh, the Seinfeld episode. Like he's not bald. He's balding. He's balding. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to be bald. Yep. Yeah, I okay. feel like it's just where patches your hair fall out. Like, yeah, I don't. I didn't expect the horse to be fully bald, which I do. I'm very intrigued to see this now. Did you find pictures of a bald horse? I did. Did you, Chelsea? Um, yeah, I'm looking at them, and they're not bad looking. They look kind of <laughs> like uh those uh, horses from Harry Potter. You mean the undead horses that Luna yeah. Lovely can see? The depths we will dive into to avoid talking about Johnny is the, the horses that you can yeah thestrals the horses that you can only see if you've seen someone die. Well, what? I'm really glad that all of us will be able to see thestrals after the second episode that we're talking about today. Johnny. Let's talk about Johnny now. <laughs> Uh, all right, what's to? going on, Johnny? You think, the fans, you think the fans would be mad if we just skip this? <laughs> you know, all of our fans. No, um, all six. So, <laughs> Caitlin's upset that her mom forgot her birthday. She leaves, and that's when she goes to the pier to smoke weed, and she runs into Seth. We talked about that already. She did have a line here that I thought was it really kind of told the story of her and Marissa because throughout this whole episode, we get the the understanding that Marissa is Marissa Cooper. Everyone who meets her, when you think about people like. Teresa or even Anna. I remember when Anna met her, the the immediate reaction is like she's like the most incredible, hot, perfect person, right? And so Caitlin brings that up. Like imagine Marissa Cooper being your your sister. My birthday was the one day that people noticed me, which I thought was good and sad. Caitlin secretly yeah. has the best lines in these two episodes. Like she's very well written and she's very smart for a what fourteen and now fifteen year old. So now we're back at the trailer. Marissa and Caitlin are both there. Johnny calls Caitlin's cell phone, but Marissa answers, and they play Uh-oh. they play catch up. But Johnny plays it off and just pretends like he was trying to call her and says, "You know, we haven't talked in a while. Just wanted to see how you're doing." Oh, also, my mom's calling me. I have to go by. And I was like, "This is so he's so awkward." <laughs> but also, I kind of, as much as I hate Johnny, I do enjoy that this is what he's been relegated to. Is just like goofy, awkward guy. He's no longer like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. no longer like dominating where he belongs time. caitlin calls him back and like he i don't know why they included the scene of him answering the phone because she calls him back and he answers immediately she invites him to the bait shop because she knew that is where marissa and ryan were headed that night is this the last time we see the bait shop uh it might be um i feel like it might be yeah. nah because where they go there during prom wait they do during prom yeah that's where Ta- that's where taylor's money gets stolen okay yeah that's oh. another problem with these episodes there's no taylor yeah where the fuck is yeah. Taylor? What the fuck? How does she even come back? How does she make her way back in the show? I don't even remember. Yeah, that's very upsetting. I didn't even realize that there's no Taylor until you said that. Now I'm sad. Um, <laughs> so wait, is the prom episode where her money gets stolen? That's the season, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's like the, the second to last episode. Huh. I didn't, man, it's all blurring together now. Anyway, well, we're going to the bait shop. It's apparently DJ night. There's no bands there. That couldn't They couldn't find a band to play. DJ, DJ Ryan Drake is playing the bait I shop. I, um, I do want to point out that Marissa is drinking tap water with no ice, which I think is uh, Strip Club Milk Part 2. I'm really excited, really into beverages this season and beverage choices. So Marissa, of course, sporting. Why the, is water uh, with no ice such a weird thing? 
that weird? At a at a bar drinking water with no ice. I always drink water with no ice. Yeah, it's not that weird. Dylan. Well, it's weird. It's weird to me, and I know that that was the shortest dillabuster ever. And there are people out there, the Ice Gang. Hey, Ice Gang, <laughs> Ice is listening to this, and they're like, "Yeah, you need to drink water with ice in it." I thought you meant Ice Gang, like the customs enforcement. I was like, "We're not. <laughs> we're not a pro Gestapo podcast here." We're sponsored by Ice. Yeah, you give us edit that out, Ryan. <laughs> give us your money, Ice. We'll take it. A cab, but not Ice. All right, moving on. <laughs> so we're at the bait shop. It's DJ night. Marissa is there with Ryan. They're talking, and here comes Caitlin and Johnny. Ryan and Ryan says this later in this episode, but like Caitlin is clearly trying to stir some shit up. Which, hey, the potster, am I right? Um, oh boy. But like, I don't fully understand why. Like, is she just so jealous of the attention that Marissa gets? Is she just really thriving on conflict and just loves to be a chaotic? Like, do we know why she wants so badly to do this Johnny and Marissa thing? I think she just, I think you kind of hit the nail right on the head. I think she is an agent of chaos and she, she sees an opportunity to mess with her older sister and she's exploiting it. I was really trying to go backwards and trace, like, I don't think it's because, I mean, Julie forgot her birthday. Marissa didn't forget her birthday. But I don't know why she's got so much, like, animosity towards this that she wants Marissa to, like, be upset. I feel like, I, I mean, I still stand by the whole she wants to be chaotic. She wants to annoy her older sister. But then she changes. I think Marissa's death changes her. I think that it kind of makes her see the value in, like, not being a tool. Um, but I think up until this point, it's just kind of playful sisterly stuff. And the only reason it has, has such high stakes is because Marissa's giving it high stakes. Well, her plan works because she runs into Marissa and Ryan while she's with Johnny. So Marissa's kind of upset. Caitlin knows that she got her jealous. She got her riled up and she's talking to Johnny about it on the drive home. Johnny brings up the fact that he can't like romantically pursue Caitlin because she's 14. Although we know her birthday's Valid. tomorrow. She'll be 15. Mm. But I thought this was weird that he says, I want to keep hanging out with you as friends. And I was like, it's weirder to me to be friends with a 14-year-old than it is to even try to romantically pursue a 14-year-old. Maybe that's it's, wrong, it's, right? It's worse. I think it's worse. I think it's I weirder. Also, uh, yeah, it I, is weirder. Every once in a while, this show will do something that I think is subtle that I really like. And it, one of them was in this episode where they... You know, they brought up the sound of music and Johnny and Caitlin had this whole conversation about the sound of music and the song they always harp on is, you know, I am 16 going on 17. I am 17 going on 18. And so I love that they kind of tied that into the whole idea of him being friends or more than friends with someone who is substantially younger than him, because I think Rolf was older than whichever Von Trapp that was. I never watched the second Liesel. VHS. Yeah, Lisa, I never watched the second VHS tape. I think I've said this on this podcast the, before. That was like one of the first songs they sing. Yeah, I didn't know there were Nazis in The Sound of Music until I was in college. Okay, yeah, if you didn't watch the second tape, then you would not know about the Nazis. And Rolf yeah. turns into a Nazi. Yeah. but How disappointing. But Nazi redemption is, is it the second part of that tape if i oh, remember correctly barely whatever yeah, All it's he the does bare is, minimum he just does he the right thing he literally no he really doesn't because uh, captain von trapp was like hey rolf what are you doing you're a kid get out of here go go run away with us i love this so much this is I our know. next podcast keeping up with the von trapps <laughs> sorry ryan is like 
Ryan's about to storm out. <laughs> no, I've never. I've literally never seen the Santa music. I don't know what you're talking. You've about. never seen it. I think you'd like I it. I know it. you're a big musical guy. No, I've never seen. I haven't seen that many musicals actually. I've seen. I've seen more newer musicals than older musicals. I've seen Oklahoma. I've seen South Pacific. I've seen the producers. I've seen Phantom of the Opera. That's about it. Um, South Pacific is the worst. Julie Andrews is a babe in that movie. Not South Pacific in. Sound of music. Well, we could really kind do of a, a babe whole... in everything. Should we do? Are we going to do a, re- a bonus episode where I just watch musicals and then I'll come back and report on it? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Ranking the songs. Honestly, mm-hmm. I would rather spend eight hours watching musicals that I don't care about than watching like twenty more minutes of Johnny Harper. So I'm into it. If you guys want to switch gears, <laughs> um, <laughs> deal. <laughs> so after that whole scene, um, Johnny says he just wants to be friends with Caitlin. She's kind of upset. She's getting friend zoned by Johnny. He leaves. She. That's when she goes up to uh, get into the the uh, the trailer, and Seth is there, and that's when she presumably sells him weed, or gives him weed. Maybe she's a very generous person. Um, she does seem hard up for money, so I doubt that that's true. Um, next time we see them all, they're back at the trailer. It's Caitlin's birthday. Marissa tells her happy birthday, and <laughs> she's they, st- they start talking about Johnny, but then Julie interrupts them because she's coming home from a run. Did we know Julie was running? Is this a new thing? I guess. She's very sweaty. Yeah. I just like to imagine her running around the trailer park. She's come a long way from yoga lattes. Yeah, I was going to say, she can't do yoga lattes, or she can't do any of those fancy noopsie workouts anymore, I guess. Um, so she's mm. just straight up running. Good for her. It feels healthier. I'm proud of Julie. So Julie comes home. She's telling Caitlin about her birthday party. Caitlin says, I don't want a party. Julie is telling her that, like, we need this. We need this as a family, which is a lot of pressure to put on a birthday party. I would feel a lot of yeah. pressure if I were Caitlin. So before her party... Caitlin pays a visit to the pool house. I'm assuming people just walk into the Cohen's house and go to the pool house. Yeah. I don't know how this works. She goes, she gets into the pool house. She's waiting for Ryan. She's talking about how her and Ryan were the, are the perfect couple. I'm sorry, how Marissa and Ryan are the perfect couple. And then she gives a shout out to our boy Luke by saying, you know, they used to say that about her and Luke as well. Oh, Luke is so perfect. I just miss him so much, you know. Losing Luke is one thing. Losing Luke and now having to deal with Johnny, it's like a whole fucking you might the whole the whole it's world insult to injury turned man. upside down, right? Yeah. She asks for Ryan's advice about inviting Johnny to her party. And she's stirring the pot. Again, I don't know why she wants to do all this. I don't know why she's just being an agent of chaos, but she is. Because I don't think that she really likes Johnny. We all agree with that, right? Yeah. I, she's just she, yeah, she's toying him. with um with Johnny and with Marissa. I don't know if this was intentional or not. Again, her line delivery. I got too deep into line delivery, apparently, on this episode. No but, way. Um, Willa Holland, uh, or Kaylin, whenever Ryan accuses her of trying to hurt Marissa, I don't know if if she was trying to be sincere when she said this or if she was trying to be fake when she said this because it sounded fake as fuck. And if she's trying to be fake, it was brilliant. And I might even put the audio in for that. She just goes, no, Marissa is my sister and I love her. (laughs) I was like, okay, that's perfect. That's such perfect. That's funny. What are you talking about? Marissa's my sister and I love her. We cut to the party. Marissa is setting up the party. Caitlin's in the swimming pool. It's a fun dichotomy. So, mm. Doctor, this is a whole, this is a fun scene, a whole group scene here. Doctor Roberts shows up. It is his house after all. Julie's there. Doctor Roberts gets a thank you from Caitlin. Then Johnny shows up, dressed like Eddie Vedder. Yeah, <laughs> I have thoughts about that because when Johnny shows up to Ryan's pool house in the next episode, they, I had this moment of like, they are very stark opposite people. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, he's doing his best uh, Pearl Jam impression. Johnny meets Neil, which I thought was interesting. I didn't think they ever had a scene together, but they do. You even hear Dr. Roberts go like, nice to meet you, Johnny. Which sounded <laughs> it sounded very voiced over like at a separate point in time. Also, I think I've always noticed this, but I've never really thought about it. Neil always looks so annoyed. 
he always has this thing where anything happens and they cut to his face. He's always looking like down and away, just like, I can't believe I'm a part of this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Harold story actually said this and I'm going to give him hundred percent credit, but now I can't stop thinking about it. Dr. Roberts both looks and has the same energy as Alfred Molina in Spider-Man two as Doc Ock. He has Doc Ock energy. And that's all I can think about when I see Dr. Roberts now. Never seen that movie either. You've never seen Spider-Man 2? I think I saw the first one. The, the Tobey Maguire movies, right? I've only seen the first Tobey Maguire yeah. movie. I haven't seen it. I think I may have seen oh. the Andrew Garfield one, maybe. I don't remember. I um, saw the first Tobey Maguire one and the first Andrew Garfield one, and that's it. What is going on right now? I haven't now? seen Tom Holland yet. I hope everyone is yelling at their speakers right now. Because Why? Spider-Man 2. Never mind. <laughs> this is Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield, by the way, underratedly very handsome. And oh a very good actor. Gosh. Yes, yeah, love actor. him. He's got that new movie coming out where he plays like a like Spider-Man. a Chris like a, a Spider Man a uh, like a Christian kind of televangelist guy and it looks really good. Thanks, Dylan. That seems right up your alley. Yeah, seems Dylan, right up your alley. I know. This no, it's is... like it's like righteous gemstones comedy type stuff. Boy, you're really selling it. <laughs> have you, have you, wait, have you guys not seen the Righteous Gemstones? The Danny McBride show. That, I don't even know what that is. It's the it's the Eastbound and Down creators' new show. I've seen like three episodes of Eastbound and Down. I didn't like it. Guys, um, this is so bad. I, I feel like I'm panicking. I'm, I'm, I'm hyperventilating. I don't know how to relate Wait, to people who don't watch the same things I do. Just want to uh, keep keep distracting us from the, the Johnny stuff, but I guess we'll get back to it. Dylan, are you still there? Oh, he is, unfortunately. I am. I'm sending you the trailer for that Andrew Garfield movie. And also, since we're talking about that party, there are literal children at this party. Or I guess 14-year-olds as 14-year-olds actually looked in 2006. Yeah, so I guess she invited her old equestrian club. It's a lot of people showing up to this party. Caitlin and Johnny are holding hands, which is really funny to see Johnny at a pool party dressed like what you said, like Eddie Vedder. <laughs> Ryan decides to just tell Marissa that Caitlin sold Seth weed. So now Marissa's really upset about everything. This is just another like cog in the Marissa wheel as far as like shit just keeps happening to her that she can't really... All she can do is react. She has no control over any of it. I'm just thinking out loud yeah. now. I really am being Dylan tonight. Um, I love this so much. I'm just sitting back. <laughs> Ryan tells so Ryan tells Marissa that she sold weed to Seth. Caitlin pulls Johnny alone into her room, and she makes him tell her that he's not interested in Marissa. And she really gives him like a a sales pitch. That's basically like, well, if you're not interested in her, then prove it. Give me my like Caitlin, Chelsea brought this up last week. Give me my one birthday kiss, and uh, she kisses Crush. him. She kisses she goes, him. One birthday. Cash. This is so cash, weird. Please. She kisses him, and that was very Harry Carey of you. She kisses him Hi. in her Kiss bedroom. Me, daddy. <laughs> that was sounded like Beavis. Or butthead again. Sorry. Anyway, they kiss. Oh, they kiss they make me. out. Johnny and Caitlin are kissing in her bedroom. They have one kiss. You just brought something up. You yeah. brought up a point that I raised in my notes. So they kiss once, one kiss, uno, but then she says they made out, and you just said they made out. How many times do you kiss somebody for it to become making out? And you can you can kiss someone once, and it's a make out. Seriously? Dylan, There's no more how, action involved? Dylan, how old? I mean, it has to be more than just like a peck, but yeah, it's still one kiss overall, right? I don't think that they made out. I think that she just pecked him. Does tongue need to involve for it to be yeah, considered I mean, a Yeah, I feel like out? if it's a, there's a peck, and then there's kissing right and kissing to me is making out but like i don't i don't know where the so line like, would you begins say that ends would i say that they made you out people make out at their wedding or do they kiss at their wedding you may now kiss the bride and then do they make out <laughs> well when i when i officiate weddings i say you may now make out with the bride so 
Um, Dang. No, I don't say that. No, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, okay. I don't think they made out, but I feel like if I was her age, I would think that I made out with someone. Yeah. I think that, I think that she thinks second that. second base. So um, I'm glad we could have that conversation. I'm glad that we could really um, tackle the important issues here. So, How do you talk to girls? This scene was actually really good. I enjoyed this scene a lot. Marissa uh-huh. follows Caitlin and Johnny out of the house. Um, she calls her out for stealing money, selling drugs, and... Caitlin in return. This is where I said Caitlin has some very good lines. Like, she's very smart. She's written as a very smart 15-year-old. Yes. She says, anyone can tell that you like Ryan, or anyone can tell that you like Johnny, and you don't think Ryan can tell that you like Johnny. She even says, you can be in love, or you you and Ryan can be soulmates, but that doesn't mean that you don't like Johnny. And that's, like, that's very high-level thinking for a 15-year-old. Yeah. Um, And then she closes it by saying, you may not know me, but I do know you. And I was like, damn, Caitlin's really getting to the heart heart of the issue here. Um, so Caitlin leaves. They had, I mean, Caitlin, Marissa and Caitlin had their little blow up. Caitlin leaves with Johnny. Julie blames Marissa for her leaving, which I thought was just piling Marissa on. Marissa ruins everything. Marissa ruins everything. Um, Caitlin or Julie even says, "Do you even do you even know what she's been through?" Even though Julie was the one who fucking forgot her birthday. Marissa fires. That's back. gaslighting. That's expert gaslighting. Marissa fires back by letting her know that a party's not going to fix this family, and then Marissa walks <laughs> out. And she just leaves Ryan there. And then it's just Ryan, Neil, and Julie just staring at each other. And I was like, that's a fun thruple. I would love yeah, more, more of thruple. Ryan, Julie, and Neil together. Just a day. Just a day mm-hmm. in the life of them. This episode closes with a montage. And we see Ryan. He's at home alone. Marissa's at the pier by herself. Caitlin goes home to a locked trailer for some reason. I didn't understand that. Mm. Everyone's alone. Figuring their shit out. And it was scored by my favorite song, the music moment of the episode. I was obsessed with this song when this episode came out and for a long Insomnia, time. Insomnia, Electric President? Yeah. Dude, what it's fucking, so good. What a great song. And like, I think it was on, I don't know if it was on one of the soundtracks or not, actually. It was, because it was. I remember I would just listen to it over and over. It's such a great song. It's the only song I've ever heard by Electric President, but it's so good. Yeah. And I listened to it a lot back in the day. And it plays a lot in this episode. It plays like three or four different times. Um, so the only little thing left we have to deal with now are the adults. Let's start with Sandy and Matt. They, like I said, they have to, they have to build a hospital. So Sandy and Matt pitch a hospital proposal. Matt thinks they have handicapped themselves by not whining and dining the hospital board. Apparently that's common practice in the uh, commercial real estate business. So, uh, Sandy later finds out when he took that phone call from, and he ignored his son, (laughs) that phone call is him (laughs) finding out that he is not going to build, most likely not going to get the hospital bid. And Kirsten is there. Kirsten just appears whenever she needs to tell him something important, just like an angel over his shoulder. She's great. And she does here. Mm -hmm. And she makes sure to tell him that uh, he should show, what's the guy's name? What's the hospital guy's name? Bill. Bill. Yeah. Show Bill. Show Bill who you are uh, beyond schedules and budgets. So Sandy's getting some inspiration now. So he tells Matt, basically, he tells Matt to set up a meeting with Bill at a burrito stand because he wants to show him the history of the area that they're trying to build this hospital. in. I don't love it at all. I think it's a terrible idea. It's a new restaurant alert. I'm always excited when there's a new restaurant that's not the Crab Shack, the Redneck Yacht Club, or the Diner. I'm always excited. And I also love how Matt looks at his churro like he doesn't know what it is. Like, you're not that rich, Matt. Yeah. Haven't you been to Disney World? So they go to this burrito stand, and Sandy's trying to be nice and, like, talk to Bill. And they're having churros, and he's convinced that he's starting to lose them. He seems uninterested. <laughs> so he tells Matt, basically, like, I want this hospital. Let's do it your way. Let's do the wine and dine thing. 
Meanwhile, Matt's just staring at his churro, like, so perplexed. Like, he doesn't understand how it works. He's just like... What is this? Corn He's, dog. like, turning it around in his hand. He reminds me of um, the Trump brothers on, like, Weekend Update. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he reminds me of Eric Jr. Dylan, are you going to do the rest of this podcast in the dark? Yeah. That's I fine. don't want to get up and turn my light on. No, this is totally fine. I'm fine with this. Keep being in the dark. <laughs> so, the, the weird... Climax is a weird word to use here now, Matt. The weird climax to this whole thing is that what did you just do? That looks creepier. I know. Now you have evil eyebrows. I turned the light on. They took Bill to Matt's apartment That's weird. with some ladies. I think they just pulled some some of Matt's stripper friends, I think. Yeah. And in the next episode, Matt refers to them as prostitutes. I hate it. So they take so they get these strippers slash prostitutes to Matt's apartment. They take Bill there and they're pouring him drinks like it's a fucking bachelor party. And Bill's very impressed and he's in on the he's now in on the hospital proposal. Um, he thinks that he and Sandy can take care of each other now. And he even tells him that Caleb would be proud. I think um, I think Sandy took that rightfully as an insult. And then that scene ends with uh, Bill turning around and talking to the ladies and just yelling at them. So where do we have to go to have some fun around here? <laughs> That's so funny like, because they're having here? fun. Yeah. That story wraps up with Kirsten once again, just appearing out of nowhere and telling Sandy that she's proud of him. She got the hospital. He did it his way. And mm. I don't think he did it his way. Um, yeah, I think me he did either. It, I think he did it Caleb's way. And Sandy is drinking scotch now, which I don't think we've ever seen him drink scotch before. So maybe he's going to nope. have a little Kirsten detour problem too. I don't know. The only other thing that really happened in this episode were Julian Neal there's just they have a couple scenes julie is they're finally going out despite all of julie's hesitancies they find each other for lunch she really likes him that's when she has their the sunday date planned with neil she has to cancel for caitlin's birthday but neil instead offers up his house to her says you can have my house for the day here's a key we'll have the house here the girls can use the pool and you and i can have our date slash dinner um, after all the chaos that goes off, after Marissa leaves and it's just Ryan, Julie, and Neil, um, and Ryan leaves, then mm-hmm. that's when Neil tells her something along the lines of like, we should basically slow things down. I don't know where this is too much. Basically, like their lives are basically, too weird. He because sees her. He sees her kids have drama. She, he sees the blow up between Marissa and Caitlin, and he gets cold feet. Which I can just feel Julie's proximal embarrassment when that happens. But Marissa ruins everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. It's it's sad. The, the look on her face is really sad. He even tells her to leave the yeah. key in the dish as like a fucking extra stab wound, <laughs> but uh, she does. Yeah. That's part of the montage at the end, and that is everything. From this episode, I feel like we, I feel like I took too long <laughs> through the Johnny stuff. It's fine. We're moving on. Do we have anything else we want to say about this before we move on to never um, our big, our big Johnny finale? I'm so excited. Oh my yeah. gosh. Let's get into it. Episode number yeah, 14. Episode 14. Do I have how many in this season? 24? Uh, 25. 25. So we got to figure out how we're going to do oh. the finale. I feel like the finale just, could be its own episode, maybe, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I like that. God, there's still six weeks six weeks of this fucking show left. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> we should do a Christmas episode, though, just by the way, in our little time I off think there. so, too. Anyway, oh, let's get into 100%. it. Episode 14 is the cliffhanger. Sandy Cohen is on screen for six minutes and 56 seconds. Dylan, tell me more about this wonderful episode. February 2nd, 2006 was the day that the world got a little bit brighter. Um, 5.70 million people, again, <laughs> oh my God. Um, watch this. J.J. Feldman penned it. 
And you all, as usual, I wrote out my entire recap, so let's dive right in. As the sun rises on another day in the OC, Sandy is distraught to know that his pothead son is now MIA. Ryan comes up with a creative lie about a calc exam, and one I'm pretty sure he's used before, to throw Sandy off the scent. Ryan also promises he'll go look for Seth. He finds Seth on the death pier slash Marissa's lookout pier and spills the beans. Seth did not go to the Brown interview. Instead, he interviewed same, with... Is that the same pier? Are they standing... Hang on. Are they standing above the... Underneath the pier where we got into the fight with I Gidget? think they are. I think that... The, I really okay. do think they are. The same pier with Tate, the same pier with Gidget, everything. Um, Seth, of course, spills the beans. He didn't go to his yeah. Brown interview. Instead, he interviewed with Green. Uh, but he wasn't just going down to the pier to brood. He was also going to buy some more weed. In his own words, we're getting dangerously close to an after-school special. Q theme, California, Phantom Planet. Uh, I don't know what your subtitles say, but might actually say um, acoustic guitar strums with gentle piano melody. Um, so theme's <laughs> over. Again, neither Luke nor Tate Donovan are present, and I cry a little bit. Back <laughs> in same trailer, different park, the sisters Cooper are tiptoeing around the Marissa Johnny. You've already Johnny made that joke. I know. It's, it's not a joke this time. I'm just, it's an ongoing theme. Um, so the Cooper sisters are tiptoeing around the Marissa, Johnny, Caitlin triangle. Caitlin brings up the very valid point that Marissa has a boyfriend, but Marissa can't bring herself to say she doesn't have feelings for Johnny. Marissa leaves, and then Johnny and Caitlin are off to the beach, where Johnny is going to undoubtedly mumble mansplain surfing to her. Operation Tinder, which is what I'm calling, um... Julian and, and Kirsten's dating service is in full swing. It looks like the dating service is legitimately just two women looking at uh, printed out dating profiles and brainstorming. Remember when Mitt Romney had binders of women? Yeah, he had binders. That's what this is. That's what this is. You better believe my binders full of women joke is coming. Julie is irked okay, that uh, Doc Ock Roberts has taken Julie off his radar. They come up with a plan to get him on the dating service and use um, use it as a little love entrapment to get him back into Julie's life. So little plan in the works. We'll see where that goes. Back at school, we find Summer seated on what would easily be one of Marissa's favorite benches. Um, Seth creeps up like a creep from the shadows for a little exercise known as telling the truth, but... Summer hypes up her Brown interview so much that it makes Seth lie again instead. Um, but he blows it by claiming Shelly is a she-her rather than a he-him. Don't worry, though. He plays it off by claiming he got, quote, gay vibes in his interview. As usual, weird uh, scene. Seth, Very weird yeah, dialogue. Yeah. Seth okay, leaves, Seth. though, before Summer can confront him. This scene made me cringe so bad. <laughs> it was bad. Um now that Marissa's back at Harbor, she's back in the routine of drinking coffee and sitting on those leather couches with Ryan, which seems to be all they actually do at Harbor. That and plan the kickoff carnival. She tells Ryan she's having sister drama, and Ryan tells her that Seth isn't going to tell Summer about the Brown interview. You know, riffing. Ryan tells her to stuff. buy a gun. Buy a gun. Shoot her in the back. Uh, back yeah. at the beach, Caitlin is already failing at surfing because she isn't even in the water. Johnny is an awful teacher who clearly just wants to watch her pop up over and over and over again. Caitlin makes her intentions clear. She doesn't really want to surf. She wants to rent a movie, order pan order pancakes, and I hop and chill because, quote, she's not training for the Olympics. This was fortuitous because surfing was not even in the Olympics until 2020. That's what I was about to ask. I was like, I didn't think it was in yeah. the Olympics yet. 
What's going on with the hospital? Turns out that done deal with Sandy and Matt isn't a done deal after all because more people other than Bill have to be wined, dined, and churroed. Sandy wants to find an <laughs> angle uh, bursting with heart and purpose, but Matt, of course, has a different idea, i.e. to exploit the affections of the head of the board's daughter. Uh, there's no moral gray area if you have no morals, so Matt is probably going to be a success in business. Sandy wants to find a strategy that doesn't involve liquor or sexual favors. We'll get back to that in a second. Dude, we have to talk about this, though. This Maya Griffin would go on to be Ryan's real-life wife. Okay, seriously? This is a girl? Yeah. Yeah, Morena Bacharin. Ooh. Is that her name? I think it was a big scandal, too. Like, I think that she was married, and then they got divorced, and then she was knocked up, like, all kind of in one swift motion, sort of like John Mulaney and Olivia Munn. It was one of those situations. Wow. So wait, so Ben McKenzie is the John Mulaney in this situation, right? Yeah. No. You can't, you can't he, get a guy pregnant. He's the Olivia Munn in that situation. And uh, she is the John Mulaney. Good for her. Good for them. Good couple. We meet up at the Roberts house where Doc Ock is reading what appears to be a book about medicine. Bilingual Julie Cooper shows up to personally thank him for hosting the party and to provide him with, this is for you, Ryan, a binder full of women. He's into it, but there Julie hovers and hates. Now we continue with this episode's of the podcast trend of the revolving door of the pool house. Caitlin is in the pool house. This can't be good. She wants to talk about the Johnny Ryan, Caitlin, Marissa square. She spills the beans about Marissa's non-denial of having feelings for Johnny. Caitlin wants Ryan to throw some proverbial punches at some metaphorical fires and fix the situation so she can get out of the sand and into the water with Johnny. So... Ryan meets Marissa at the diner and immediately confronts her. He gives her an ultimatum. Figure out the Johnny situation, and in the meantime, leave him alone. Very un-Ryan-like, very adult. It must be his haircut, but we're going to go ahead and see how long it lasts. Another day dawns in Newport, and we find Ryan and Seth in the kitchen. Ryan tells Seth that his relationship with Marissa is on ice before a hard left to talk about Seth's summer issues. Turns out Seth is going to reschedule his interview and lie to Brown about the reason why he missed it the first time. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out. <laughs> so Julie's making grits in a trailer, uh, but the only thing Caitlin wants more than Johnny is Apple Jacks. While Julie is giving Gus grits, the sisters briefly spar before Marissa storms back home outside. And she has a pretty funny line. She's like, Mom, we get it. We live in a trailer. Yeah. You don't have to make grits. Like, it's kind of funny. Yeah. At least I feel like she was using, like, she was making grits the right way. She wasn't using instant grits. So you got to respect her there. Yeah. She's making it in a pot. And whatever. Present food is very chic now. <laughs> It's, it's cottage. Is this trailer core? Yeah, totally. Also, I was going to say, I've never considered the fact that her living in a trailer is very similar to her living outside. I feel like we did this on accident, but we were, we're almost there. I love it. <laughs> Eventually, we're all just going to be outside and underground because of the nuclear holocaust. Back at Harbor, Seth is avoiding <laughs> summer like the plague. She walks into chat with the unnamed school administrator, reminds her that Seth has Where's no Dr. ass. Where's Dr. Ken? Oh, my God. She was she was kind of harsh. She goes gangly, mop head, barely has an ass. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of harsh, though. Yeah, she she she's just dropping all of this foul language at this person who apparently has you know like something to do with her future. Um, but in there, she finds out that Seth actually missed his interview, which is why you always tell the truth. You don't want your friends and family finding things out about you through your school administrator. 
Julie arrives at Casa del Cohen and tells Kirsten that Doc Ock loves their dating service so much that he's being asked to be set up with Lara Cross. But don't worry, Julie has a plan. She's going to spy and find out if Lara is a cross that she can bear. For the second time, oh my God. we're in Johnny's bedroom. He and Chili are in bed together, talking about love. So first time, first time we've seen Chili in a long time, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Chili. And the tells last time we Johnny, saw Chili, he was also in Johnny's bedroom. I think he lives there. Chili lives in Johnny's bedroom. Marissa <laughs> lives outside. It's canon. Um, Chili. Like, this uh, is one of those things that, like, if this were another episode of a different show, of like a weirder show, this would be like. Chili's not even real. He's just a made-up person that Johnny only sees and interacts with because all Chili does is care about Johnny's shitty life. Oh, that's so deep. I love that so much. They call him Chili because the air is cold when he's around because he's a ghost. Hey, he gets to throw the Swells party, <laughs> so maybe true. some people know he him. He died at the Swells party. <laughs> this is now canon. No, the last uh, the last few times we've seen him, he's just been in Johnny's room caring way too much about fucking Johnny. He's just way too mm-hmm. involved. Johnny, uh, Ghost Johnny has some sage advice. He tells, uh, uh, or excuse me, Ghost Chili has advice for Johnny. He says, Johnny, you got to shoot Ghost your Chili's shot. really good. You owe it to yourself. <laughs> they really are. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty much all that's going on in that scene. But now it's date night with the Coens. Sandy and Kirsten are eating at Redneck Yacht Club and they spy Matt. He looks like he's there by himself to drown his sorrows until he's not. He's with Ryan Atwood, Ben McKenzie's actual wife who was in Gotham Maya. Uh, he didn't the listen. The future Mrs. McKenzie. The future Mrs. McKenzie. Turns out Matt didn't listen to Sandy. So they leave the yacht club to get some sweet sand dabs from the crab shack instead. Love the crab shack. Marissa meets Johnny. What's a sand dab? I don't know. What is a sand dab, Ryan? I should know this. I'm I the think foodie. It's a, I was going to say, it sounds like a weed thing, honestly. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds like it mean you'd need a bong to do. Also, I, suggest, I, I would like to propose we change the name of this podcast to Date Night with the Coens. Date night with the Coens. I'm I'm all for it. Um, so Marissa meets Johnny under the pier where her dad got beat up and she got kidnapped by Volchek. Johnny doesn't let any air die between them and throws a love bomb her way without any warning. Marissa doesn't appear to be feeling it. Johnny puts on some pretty compelling evidence that Marissa likes him. Specifically, you pay attention to me. Uh, after he spills his guts, Marissa just stares at him like a dead fish, says nothing, and Johnny leaves. Um, we're back in the Cohen kitchen for the third morning scene of the episode. Sandy's worried about Seth. Seth says he's totally fine. Cue Summer, who was kind enough to not rat him out in front of his family. Instead, she takes him upstairs and slaps him before confronting him. She doesn't want Seth to be a creepy old man with a secret attic where he hides stolen money and porn. Seth is kind of all for the idea, but still falls on his sword and says he was scared because he's nerdy with a mumbling problem and she's not nerdy and hot. You know, typical stuff. Summer officially exonerates Seth, which apparently is a big so, you word know, he for says, her. He says he was embarrassed and Summer immediately just lets it go, which is unbelievable to me. We know that Seth has done more and that like, basically what they're trying to set up is like he he goes a little too far because if he'd only gone this far, everything would be okay. But still, the fact that she would just be like, okay, well, you're fine. Yeah, and then also in celebration for being exonerated, he asks for sex, which is super awesome. Good job, man. Um, anyway, it's weekend day. 
at the Newport group and we see Matt in a t-shirt for the first time. Sandy, as with Ryan and Johnny and Summer, cuts right to the chase and tells Matt that he saw him at the Redneck Yacht Club playing fast and loose with his advice regarding Maya. Turns out Sandy misread the whole situation and Maya asked Matt out to dinner because it's not, quote, illegal to go on a date with a girl. Bold strategy again. Matt tells Sandy Mm. that Sandy might not have the stomach for this kind of work because sometimes they have to bend the rules. I don't like Matt anymore. Uh, just want it to be to be known here. He's a little bit too aggressive. He he got a place. little like too. Uh, I mean, Sandy's his boss, right? Like he got a little too much with Sandy. I feel like like you couldn't. I don't even be, talk to my dog. You can't that say way, that dude. shit. Yeah. yeah, you can't yeah. say that shit to your boss. You're not cut out for this. Like you're you're like 23. Like shut the fuck up. Yeah, nobody likes you're you. When you're a child, seriously. So first we had Caitlin at the pool house, and now we have Johnny at the pool house, dressed like Eddie Vedder again. Johnny tells Ryan he told Marissa that he was in love with her. Um, Johnny apologizes. Ryan says thanks for that. <laughs> Leave now, which is so awesome. I love the going to the principal's office energy that that whole scene had. But this scene, this scene is the one where I was like, damn, Johnny really looks terrible. He's wearing like baggy jeans, his weird plaid shirt. It looks like he hasn't eaten in three weeks. Yeah. His hair looks worse than ever. And I was like, the difference between Johnny and Ryan, now that Ryan has a haircut and is wearing clothes that fit, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it's so massive. And it's so like, clearly Ryan is the better person here in this situation. Yeah. So Julia's incognito spying on Cross and Ock when everyone's favorite noopsie shows up. Taryn. She's Taryn. back. I love Taryn. My favorite swinger. She is back. Uh, and upon seeing Julie's disguise, Taryn asks if the Taliban have taken over Newport. And she's 100% Great serious. Question. Um, Taryn, of course, knows Cross from the or- Orchid Club, I think, and drags Julie over to them and completely blows her cover. Uh, Doc Ock comes right out and asks if Julie has been spying. Julie freaks, runs into a waiter who spills his tray, and then she runs out of the restaurant. Really good physical tray? comedy. Yeah, Trey. <laughs> she runs into Trey, <laughs> who shoots her in the back. Um, guys, it's sister time. We've literally taken the joke from SNL and like re- and like we retold it without realizing we're doing the same bit. I love it. I love it. We <laughs> we we should be on SNL to be to be honest. Um, it's sister time, y'all. Caitlin is hanging out, uh, Marissa with Marissa on Marissa's favorite staring bench. Caitlin wants to clear the air and talk about stuff, beginning with an ice cream metaphor that makes me think how fun it would be to get a frozen treat with Tate Donovan. R.I.P. Caitlin says, "Time out, time out, time okay. out." So, Caitlin here, uh, like I think the scene, this scene is there to let us know that we think that Caitlin has influenced Marissa in some way to realize that you know, if you love something, why would you want to change it? The ice cream metaphor was there, right? Like, that's what yeah. you said. Um, but it was literally just an episode ago where she said, her, Caitlin herself said, you can love Ryan, but that doesn't mean you don't like Johnny, right? And now she's saying, well, mm-hmm. if you love Ryan, why don't you just be with Ryan? It's like, I that was a complete 180 between episodes. The, the metaphor that she's using, she's trying to, to tell Marissa that Marissa, Marissa never trusts her own instincts. She always has to follow her heart, you know, and she just doesn't do that. Um, 
back to Johnny's house. He emerges from the bathroom for a second time in this series, um, wiping sweat out of his hair after taking an absolutely massive dump. His mom hands him a note <laughs> and tells him that he just missed Marissa. Are Johnny's legs back to like working again? Because clearly they, he climbs they seem a, like a cliff by the end of this. Yeah, like a billy goat. I'm not used to seeing him walk out of the bathroom without falling over everything. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. yeah it's everywhere. smashing glasses and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Marissa, we don't see what the note says because the screen cuts out and we find Marissa making the rounds. She's already been to Johnny's. And now she's back at the pool house. She apologizes to Ryan. Um, She apologizes for ever making him wonder if she liked Johnny and recognizes that she is the problem, but that it's also somehow Ryan's fault because she wasn't allowed to talk with him about Trey. So they're going to try again for the 500th time in this series. And they're going to start with dinner. This was okay. This was like decent long-term storytelling on the part of the Mm -hmm. show in which we criticize it a lot for doing something mm-hmm. and then immediately abandoning it with no real repercussions Yeah. for her to bring up. Cause we talked way back when Johnny first appeared that like, Oh, she's having, tr- she's dealing with trauma that stems from Trey. And that's what her and Johnny connected with originally. And she was having, right. a ni- she was having nightmares about Trey. If you remember like, mm-hmm. you know, 10 episodes ago or something. Um, mm-hmm. and so for her to bring it up again and be like, look, the Trey thing was this traumatic event that I had to deal with. And he seem like the person to talk to i was like okay that's good good for you in the same way that caleb's death has still lingered over the show and like they didn't just forget about it and completely move on the trey thing Mm -hmm. is still kind of there a little bit yeah um we're back at the trailer caitlin is watching 1958's attack of the 50-foot woman um and johnny shows up he's in the mood for a bonfire and tequila because he and caitlin quote never got a chance to party which is not something you should say to a 15 year old girl um, Sandy's at the office, pulling a Marissa and staring at nothing. Turns out he goes to the Newport group for moments of Zen. He's suffering a moral conundrum. On one hand, he wants the hospital. On the other hand, he has morals and the thing with Matt makes him uncomfortable. He doesn't know, quote, where the line is. But Kirsten, like an angel, appears um, and assures him that he does know where the line is. It's what makes Sandy Cohen, Sandy Cohen. So let's go back to the Cohen house. Uh, Seth is Potboy, blaring anarchy music. Summer shows up with some DVDs, specifically Save the Last Dance and She's All That, which I, uh, I have you all watched He's All That yet? Uh, not yet. I have. Oh. That's going to be our next bonus episode. We're yeah, going to do a commentary. Wait, did you watch it, Dylan? No, I've been meaning to. He said, Quote. I have strong opinions on Save the Last Dance, though. It was like trending on TikTok. They go back and they'd show her last dance, and it's like... That got you into Juilliard? What the fuck? It wasn't worth saving her for, right? No. So Summer is on to Seth because he's terrible at lying. Um, His room smells funny, but Seth assures her it's incense and that he was doing yoga and that he had some bad gas. Guys, I think Seth has some bad weed. Um, Welcome to the beach where Johnny and Caitlin are having the most depressing party ever. Caitlin wants to hook up before Johnny passes out, starting to think Johnny might not be super okay. Her words were... Can we just hook up now? Yeah. It's very aggressive 15-year-old energy. Um, Good for her. Yeah, I'm starting to think that Johnny might not actually be okay with Marissa not liking him back. Caitlin, um, after this weird extended metaphor of a fire and a fire slowly dying, um, she leaves to go get more driftwood for the slowly dying fire. Once she's gone, Johnny takes the note from Marissa out, reads it. Caitlin catches him asks what it is and he balls it up and he says nothing we all tried to pause and read the letter right yeah but all i know Mm -mm, is it's something dramatic because james blunt starts playing in the background 
Um, <laughs> and once the letter is gone, Johnny decides it's the perfect time for some tequila and rock climbing. Caitlin, even Caitlin disagrees. I wonder what's going to happen. Um, let's go back to the trailer real quick. Wait, There's can a I not- stop again one more time before? Yeah. Because because I don't think we've done it. We I think we missed one last week as well. Do we have outfits of the episode for these episodes? Oh, no. I, <laughs> uh, whenever I watched it, I was like post-op, pre-op. I had a whole weekend. I didn't pick outfits of the episode. It's my bad. The outfit for this episode is, or the outfit for the last episode is Johnny's Eddie, Eddie Vedder, Vedder outfit. Mm-hmm. And the outfit okay. for this episode is Matt's t-shirt. That's that's Let's pretty good. That's pretty good to recall that from memory, Dylan. Good for you. Hey, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Dylan to the rescue. <laughs> hey, God help us all. Um, so Julie's back in the trailer and there is a knock on the door. She is sure it's Gus who is my favorite character, even though we barely ever see him. She has no desire to play... Uh, yeah, we only see him on screen like once, and the rest of the time we just hear her, Julie yeah, yell she, at him. It's she didn't awesome. want to play strip pinochle with Gus. Uh, so you can imagine her <laughs> surprise when it's none other than Doc Ock Roberts. Turns out he's not interested in Laura Cross. He wants Julie, hot pocket and wine cooler Cooper. Love conquers all. And it's mm. actually a pretty sweet scene, if I'm going to be gonna be honest. It was. Um, Back at the lame beach bonfire party, Johnny is doing his best Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible 2 impression. Caitlin is not feeling it. What's going to happen? Of course, there's a quick cut away from that scene back to the pool house. Ryan and Marissa got takeout, and Marissa wants to talk. Ryan doesn't want to talk, and apparently he had given her the silent treatment. Marissa wants him. Marissa takes him. Their typhoon gets cold as they get down, but just when things are getting hot and heavy, the phone rings. Uh-oh, it's Caitlin. She's freaked. She needs a ride. She's begging Johnny to calm down. Caitlin's really freaking out, but don't worry. Ryan is on his way. I didn't like what Ryan was doing to Marissa here. Like, she has come to him and basically said what she needed to say. So I feel like the ball's in his court now. But he's still hanging out with her and, like, making, like, go into movie, go watch movies with her and bringing her back to the pool house. Like, that seems unfair to her because she's, like trying to make things right and he's just like what do you want from me and it's like dude i don't know fucking if you're not ready to talk to her then don't fucking hang out with her right and she goes i want yeah. you um we get a brief respite in the drama to spend some time with seth and summer seth finished watching save the last dance high uh but he's milking it a little bit too much and summer knows something is up especially when he talks about how great the blue screen is when there's nothing playing summer says she has to take a massive dump and instead goes into seth's room to figure out what's up um, after a brief search, very brief search, she finds the weeds. Um, and guys, this is it. It is time for the grand freaking finale. Ryan and Marissa arrive at Sad Beach, but they're too late. Johnny is visibly shaken from having been forced unceremoniously into the friend zone. Ryan tries to help him. Johnny's not super keen on the idea of Ryan saving him. Something okay. about hang on, yeah. hang on. Before you get to this big, before you get to this big incredible moment. Johnny has climbed to the top of a, a cliff, I guess is what you'd call it. Yes. But I don't Ryan... understand this. So he goes up the rocky edge, but he has right. a bottle in his hand. But somehow right. Ryan just like runs up the side of it. Ryan runs so up the side Caitlin... of it. And Marissa yelling why at him to come like, down, like come down, down the cliff face. They're yelling at him to come back down, like come back this way. And it's like, yeah, why you want him to climb they, back like, down? Scooch back, like scooch back. I wish back. you would step back from that ledge, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So this, um, you think that this is literally that song, isn't it? 
It really yeah. is. The angry boy, a bit because too insane. Ties oh my gosh, it is. You've been living in. This, wow. The title of this episode is going to be Jumper by Third Eye Blind. Um, <laughs> so, so it was either that or I Hate Sand. I think I like that one better. Um, so, I would understand. There's this weird psychosis going on. Johnny's not super keen on the idea of Ryan saving him. Because then if Ryan saves him, it will make Marissa fall more in love with Ryan, despite the fact that by saving him, like, Johnny's not dead. I don't know. Um, but Wait, the, right, uh, the, hang on. The title of this should be, I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. The whole thing. That's pretty good. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. So there's this back and forth. But then thankfully, at long last, Johnny is freed from his flesh prison as his body lies broken <laughs> upon the ever-shifting sands of Newport Beach. And the episode ends. Yeah, he falls. Ryan tries to grab him. I, I wonder if Ryan didn't really try to grab him. <laughs> but um, It just it got way too dark. Like, I just, I don't get it. He, like, falls slowly. He's like, oh, like, it's a very so Falling slowly moment. is also an amazing episode name. Do we think that, so when this aired... We all had to have at least considered the fact that Johnny's still alive, right? Or I guess yeah. Marissa and Caitlin were looking or like hugging and looking as if like we need to look away from this. It's terrible. Like clearly his body is mangled on a beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But, like I don't think I I don't think I was all in when it aired. Like maybe Johnny will be fine, even though he's been hit by a car and fallen all over his house and through glass. And tore Johnny's up his like Mustafa I I, from Austin Powers. Uh, I just thought that he. I think I thought that maybe he'd still be alive, but we will later find out that he is definitely super dead. That's the end of the episode. Dead, dead. That's the end of both of these episodes, and that's the end of the saga. It's the end of Johnny Harper. I'm so glad it's over. Um, I'm so glad the pain is gone. You know, I'm glad that together we got through this. Our pain. Yes, our pain. <laughs> um, yeehaw! That's the end of the episode. Do you know that we get another Johnny shout out in season four? Do you guys know this? I would much rather have him shout it out um, than than have him shouting at at me from the television because he's a character in the show. So I don't even really care. Well, so well, hang on. So um, <laughs> in season four, my favorite episode besides the New Year's episode is the Christmas episode, which I can't fucking wait to get to it. And it's the bizarre mm-hmm. timeline episode oh, where I we see it. what life would have been like had Ryan never come to Newport. And part of that episode, they're walking around one of the big like shopping areas and there's a giant poster in the wall for like Johnny Harper pro surfer. Like he becomes like a surf star. Allegedly, he would become a massive surf star had Ryan never come to Newport. Ouch. Oh. Yeah. Oof. It's not great, kids. It's not great at all. Yeah. Um, but do you have anything else? To, I guess I'm, I'm taking I forgot that I'm taking Ryan's outro, too. Do you guys have anything else to say on these two episodes? Ryan, what was your music moment of this episode? My music moment of the second episode was Seth when he's smoking weed by himself. He's blasting some punk rock. He's blasting Black Flag, a song called Wasted. That song is literally 45 seconds long, and they played most of it in this episode. So good for him. I love it. Well, that's funny, but also I think it would have been more funny if, like, you know, Seth's a dork and he's smoking weed for the first time. Like, why isn't he playing Grateful Dead or Sublime or something? That would have been just very dorky Seth cliche. I gotta say, I am really, really proud of Chelsea for, again, putting the podcast before her own health. Um, I, uh... Well, you know, laying in bed talking to you guys is very, very difficult. This is great. You're, like, on a Victorian-era fainting couch. It's like a Jane Austen novel podcast. I know, that's kind of what I feel... That's kind of what I feel like, because I'm, like, kind of propped up halfway with, like, a bunch of pillows behind me. 
Well, you all, I hope that when you listen to this episode, you uh, you felt joyful, you felt excited, you felt happy that Johnny is no longer with us. If you too are recovering from some kind of surgery, I hope that you have a speedy recovery and that our dulcet tones <laughs> and humor um, help you in your journey to healing. But, um, you know, since I opened this episode and Ryan's going to let me close it, remember, we're always mm-hmm. here if you need us. If you want to reach out to us, if you want to chat with us, we are on Instagram at Cohen's Pod. That's at C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D. Uh, Ryan's probably not going to put the P-O-D in there because <laughs> it's just it's just going to be me talking. And then if you want to shoot us an email, if you're not on the gram, one, you're missing out on some dank memes. And two, you can reach us at Cohen'sPod at gmail.com. And Ryan, why don't you tell the people what they can do to help out the show? Boy, thank you for that. Good toss, Dylan. Good good professional tease there. Um, okay, nice. Yeah, you can, uh, if you're interested, you can leave us a review. You can review us on iTunes. You can rate us five stars. You can write about how great we are. You can tell us who your favorite host is. As long as it's not Dylan, that's fine. You're not allowed to write his name. Um, don't talk about Dylan at all because you know he loves it too much. Um, but you can go on iTunes. or I'm sorry, it's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcast. And uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Well, awesome. I'm going to use my power as the opening and closing host to plug myself for, I think, the second time in the history of this podcast. Oh, my God. Um, I, have, uh, I have two different things that I've written. I have the Nightgate Journal and I have Echoes from the Fringe Volume 1. And both of them are going to be free um through the first of november i have details on my twitter if you guys want something spooky to read um that's not the wikipedia page for episodes featuring johnny um (laughs) i uh i have some fun stuff for you i'd be happy to send it your way and and all that good stuff but i guess until we see you next time i hope that you remain happy healthy and don't forget um to eat your churros bye everybody bye